0: Well, we talked about government in the first lesson, and I'm gonna start this lesson talking about another, maybe controversial subject, which is guns. In America, we love our guns. We have the Second Amendment constitutional right to bear arms, and we talk a lot about our rights to own and possess, weapons. talk about it on Facebook. You'll see bumper stickers about it. You'll see lawn signs and all kinds of discourse about owning guns. Some people are more armed than others. And some people want nothing to do with owning a weapon. And I'm not here to make some kind of judgment on that. All I am saying is that We know how much we like to arm ourselves here in this country, to defend ourselves and protect ourselves. You'll remember back, as we considered just a few minutes ago, Jesus in the garden. And before Jesus went to the garden, him and his disciples were traveling around, and you'll remember in the Gospel of Luke that they found a couple of swords, and they asked Jesus, should we Should we bring these swords with us? Apparently they did, because a little bit later, as Jesus was about to be taken away, Peter armed himself, and he cut off the ear of the high priest's servant. He defended his Lord. And while we look at that as an example of impetuous Peter, I mean, Peter really understood that this was the Lord, this was the king The anointed anointed one, the Christ. And if you go back to the Old Testament, you will understand very clearly from David that you do not harm the Lord's anointed. And so he came to Jesus' defense. And Jesus rebuked him and then miraculously healed the man, restored his ear, told Peter to get behind me, Satan. Now, Did Peter learn his lesson because Jesus in his trial would talk to Pilate and say in John 18 my kingdom is not of this world if it were of this world my people would be fighting so that I wouldn't be handed over to you but my kingdom is not of this world so Jesus is making a distinction here we're not fighting with each other with weapons And if my kingdom was of this world, then Peter and what he did would have been exactly right. But did Peter learn his lesson? Because here in the book of 1 Peter, as we're studying this morning, Peter again tells Christians to arm themselves. Take up arms. But it's a little bit different than what you might expect. So let's turn over to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter in chapter 4, in dealing with suffering, Peter says to arm yourself. Now, like I said, this, this lesson contrasted with the first one. The first one, as Brad talked about at the table, you might view submission as weakness, but it's not. And here he comes with language of strength, of battle to talk to us about how to deal with suffering and rejection in this world. And this is about the time where people who might align with Peter's actions there in the garden would be like, yeah, let's get him! Let's go! But that's not actually what Peter is talking about here. He's not calling us to, to arm ourselves physically, but spiritually. So let's begin reading in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh... Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Arm yourself with the same way of thinking, the same way of thinking as Jesus Christ, who suffered in the flesh. I said that he mentions Jesus suffering in every chapter, and here it is again in chapter 4. And he mentioned it in verse 18 of chapter 3. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Jesus suffered. And you arm yourself with that same way of thinking prepare yourself, arm yourself to think like Jesus. And as he says here, arm yourself to break from sin. Because if you have armed yourself with thinking like Jesus, you are arming yourself to break from sin. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. You have to break from sin. I have to break from sin. We are people, all of us, who like immediate gratification. You'll remember, probably some of you, the marshmallow experiment with little kids. You put them in a room by themselves, and you you put a marshmallow on the table, and you say, "If if you can avoid eating that marshmallow until I come back. I'll give you 10 marshmallows. And what does almost every single kid do? They eat the marshmallow. They don't care about the 10 marshmallows that await them. They want that one that's right in front of them, because I can have it now. I don't see those 10 marshmallows. I can't, I'm not confident in, in you actually doing that. I want what I want, and I want it now. That's the way we are. As people, we like to feel good now. We like to to go through things that are comfortable now. Do you know that Jesus was the same way? You remember as he was in the garden, what did he pray to to, to the Lord for? If it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, yours be done. The immediate situation of jesus dying on the cross was not something that he wanted to go through he didn't want to hang on that cross he didn't want to have to endure the things that he was going to have to endure even knowing that the result of all of that was going to be our salvation he didn't want to suffer i don't want to suffer I would much rather live in a world that treats me well and that gives me freedom and that is at peace. And that is, by the way, what we pray for. We pray for our kings. We pray for those who are in authority so that we can what? We can live a quiet and peaceable life. That's what I want. But if I have to suffer, and when I'm allowed to suffer, I'm thinking about the long game thinking about what's coming ahead and it causes me to break from sin that hope that I have in heaven that hope that I have in those promises that are out there not my will yours be done this is it's a powerful thing that we need to arm ourselves with because breaking from sin And following the Lord Jesus is going to cause us suffering. He said it himself. If the world hated me, they're going to hate you too. So we're ready for this. We understand that suffering is going to come. We understand that we're going to be rejected by the world, that they're going to hate us. And as we talked about in the last lesson, the more this divide grows between the evil world and and the faithful followers of the Lord, the more and more we need to break from sin so as not to be like the world, so as not to fit in with the world. And so we break from sin because we're not thinking about the flesh. We're no longer thinking about the ways that make, make us feel good and that gratify us. This is not a, a, an immediate transition either. I know we like to think about repentance as being something that you do You know, in an afternoon, after you've realized what you need to, and you just make the change, right? You just got to make the change. Repentance is hard. Repentance takes time. And we're not all great at just immediately switching from one state of being to another. And if you struggle with that, I want you to know that I struggle with that too. And I think if everyone in here is honest, you all struggle with that. Repentance takes time, because sin feels good. Don't ever let anybody tell you otherwise. Sin feels good right now. I think about it in terms of my own life in dieting. You know, immediately after binging and spending my life eating cake and donuts, I ate it jack-in-the-box literally every single day in college. And I, as most of you know, I gained quite a bit of weight. I was huge compared to... Now, the thought of eating roasted cauliflower and, you know, all these things that I eat now is, no way, give me a, give me a jumbo jack. <laughs> Taking that step of changing from one state of being to another takes time. And eventually, after you've replaced those bad and sinful things in your life, spiritual, good, positive things begin to take hold, and you develop a taste for them. Your taste buds change. Your spiritual taste buds shift from wanting sugar to just thinking that everything is way too sweet. You want, and you desire, and you crave godliness, righteousness, and doing good in this world. That's what you develop an affinity for or a desire to do. But it takes time. Breaking from sin takes time. So is there something in your life, some passion, some human passion, as he talks about here, that you are struggling to let go of? Maybe nobody knows about it. Is there something that you're struggling to let go of? Is there something that if it were taken away from your life right now, it would sting and it would leave a hole and it would hurt? consider yourself. Consider those things and consider making that change. And if you need help doing that, reach out to somebody. We have a community of believers here who have gone through it before. And I know not a lot of us are going to walk forward and talk about all the problems that we've ever had. But if you reach out to somebody, I guarantee you, you'll find a sympathetic ear, because we've all been through breaking from sin. And so that's the place where he starts. Arm yourself with Christ's mindset and get out of sin. Break from it. Let's continue on in verse 3. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised that you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the Spirit the way God does. Not only do we need to arm ourselves to break from sin, but we need to arm ourselves to face rejection. This is not a popularity contest. Christianity is not a popularity contest. The world is not going to love you. They're not going to appreciate you. And especially those people who knew what you used to do, they're going to look at what you're doing now, and they're going to say, well, you're just a goody-two-shoes now. I don't, that's not a phrase people use anymore. Kids, ask your parents what that means. <laughs> you're, just, you're just judgmental. All the things that they might say. They're going to look at the way that we used to live and the way we live now, and they will be surprised that we don't go along with them and go to the bar and drink and go you know, to this place and commit this kind of sin. They're going to be surprised. And they're going to malign you. They're going to reject you. But It's okay. Like we talked about in the first lesson, we're in good company. Jesus faced rejection everywhere he went. if they rejected him, they're going to reject us too. The world might reject our message. The world might think about us and, and, and not understand us. But here's the thing. As the world rejects us, we don't reject the world. And that's a difficult thing because we want to We want to give back to them what they've given to us. And if they reject us and malign us and and cast us away as outcasts, we don't reject them. We don't cast them out. Why? Because he says here, for this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, that they might live in the spirit the way God does. This is Jesus' statement about being the physician Who was he there for? For those who were sick, not for those who were well. Jesus reached out to those who were dead. And as the world rejects us, we need to look back to them and continue to honor, continue to love, continue to submit, and continue to teach as living priests. We need to be those royal priests who go to the world and teach them and and by our good conduct show what Christ is all about, what the gospel is all about. We don't push them away. Because you know what? I was dead. You were dead. Every single one of us in here was dead. And you have that in common with the world. We want to divide over so many things, the narcissism of minor differences. We want to find one little itty-bitty thing and, and then just divide ourselves with the world. But one thing we all have in common, we were dead. And through Jesus, we've been made alive. And now we turn to the world who is still in their sins. And we preach the gospel to them. We help them so that they might live in the Spirit the way God does. Don't demonize the world to the point where you're unwilling to approach them with the gospel. Though they malign you, though they reject you, they still need you. It's a good thing to remember for us all. And it's hard when we're going through suffering. Imagine what the audience, Peter's audience, would have been thinking about this. You mean these people are still worth saving? Absolutely. They're still worth saving. So arm yourself to face rejection with the mind of Christ who gave everything to save even those enemies who put him on the cross. It's a good reminder. So let's continue on to the last section here in verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. We need to arm ourselves for eternal judgment. And that's how he starts verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. You've seen those people on the street corners who have the signs and maybe the the loudspeakers. The end is near! The end is near! And, And usually they're referring to something that's coming like that week or in a few days, right? But no, they're right. They are absolutely right. The end of all things is at hand. And it's been 2,000 years since Peter wrote this. But a day to the Lord is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. God doesn't view time the way we do. And even though it's been 2,000 years since Peter wrote this, the end of all things is near. Still, even today. If not for the entire world, for you. Our life is a vapor. I'm almost 40. I mean, i got a few years left to go, but I'm almost 40. I'm feeling it. Thank you. Yes. Appreciate it. We're not guaranteed another day, let alone a full span of time, 70 or 80 years. We're not guaranteed anything. The end of all things is near. And if we think about that, if we internalize that, if we arm ourselves with that perspective, then what are we going to do? He says, be self-controlled, sober-minded, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling, and use our gifts, our varied gifts. I love this verse, by the way. It's just a tangent from this lesson. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. No, God is not a respecter of persons, but you know what God does do? He varies his grace. You've been given something that I haven't been given. You have an opportunity that I don't have. I have things that I can do that maybe you can't. And we all know that. We can look around. We can see the the strength in the body of Christ by what we all bring to the table as living stones. Each one of us has a part, a varied part. But we're all being used to serve the Lord God. Use these things to serve one another. And that's the the point I want to focus on here. As we arm ourselves for eternal judgment, find your role in service and do it. Find your role. Find what you can do. And grab the bull by the horns, so to speak, and do it the best you can. Notice here, too, that as he's talking about this mindset that has eternity in mind. He says be self-controlled and sober-minded. So that's, that's something I do internally. I'm I control myself, I'm sober-minded. But you know every single thing that he says after this is things we do for other people? The, the entire rest of the list It's things that we do for other people. And so when we're thinking about eternity, it's not just, am I right? Am I saved? Am I controlled and sober-minded? But I turn from that and I go outward. I look outward for ways to help and serve, be hospitable without grumbling and complaining. That's a good one, by the way. When you're cleaning up your house to invite people over, don't grumble. It's all good. We're, we're being hospitable. I'm not, I'm not grumbling about this. This isn't a problem. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, and we do these things for each other, we reach out in the world with love and care and tenderness, and we help and we serve. And that's how we respond to knowing that the end of all things is at hand. We arm ourselves for service for other people. And we prepare ourselves for that last great day. Hi, I'm Brian, and I am a procrastinator. Maybe you are too. I have perfected the art of procrastination. If you're a procrastinator, you can raise your hand tomorrow. But Think seriously about your procrastination, because we like to hold up as a point of pride. I do at least. You know, I do my best work at the 11th hour. Oh boy, I, I, I could never have done such a good job if I hadn't waited till the last possible minute. Do you think you are going to suddenly, at the 11th hour, before the Lord comes or before you die, be self-controlled? Do you think at the 11th hour you will be able to be sober-minded? Do you think at the 11th hour you'll be able to love one another earnestly or be hospitable or serve one another or teach one another? Do you think you're going to be able to do this at the 11th hour? And Jesus has so many parables about this. Don't wait. Prepare yourself, arm yourself, and do it now while you still have the time. I don't know what you're waiting for. If you're waiting for something, I don't know if you're waiting for that day when finally the kids will be out of the house or finally you'll be out of high school or finally, you know, whatever it is, whatever thing you think on the horizon is going to be the time where I make the right decision. When you get to that point in time, nothing really changes. It doesn't. Things just keep puttering along. Challenges keep coming, and you need to make the decision now because the end of all things is at hand. So we need to arm ourselves to break from sin. We need to arm ourselves to face rejection, and we need to arm ourselves for that last great day and be ready for it, be prepared for it. I don't know what you need to give up. I don't know what baggage you're carrying around that you need to let go of, but let go of it now. Determine, make the determination, make the commitment to the Lord now to be ready And why do we do all this, by the way? This is the last point. Why do we do all this? Why do we break from sin? Why do we face rejection in the world? Why do we prepare ourselves for the eternal judgment? It's not so that we can just obey God, so that we can just listen to him. Well, he told us to do it, so that's why we do it. He told me to change, so that's why I'm gonna change. That's part of it. We should have that kind of faith and confidence in the Lord to just do what he says without questioning. But there's a greater reason. And this is powerful in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to him, be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. When you break from sin, when you change your life, when you endure suffering and rejection by the world, you glorify God. That's why he put us on this earth. That's why he made us. To glorify him. It's not to follow a a series of commands and rules. It's not for us just to obey everything he says. He created us for his glory. And when you commit your life to the Lord, when you arm yourself with Christ's way of thinking, you bring the creator of everything glory and honor through Jesus Christ. Please take out your songbook and turn to the number that's been announced. So hopefully this whets your appetite and Lord willing, next Sunday, Alan's going to continue this conversation about suffering and how we deal with it from the book of 1 Peter. So maybe prepare yourself, maybe read through the book of 1 Peter and get ready for that. But if you're here this morning and you need to respond to the Lord's invitation and you've been waiting, if you've been putting it off to some more convenient day, that day will never come. And if you're ready to do that right now, then we'll baptize you and pray for you and counsel you and comfort you and walk with you as you make that change in life to be more like Jesus and arm yourself with his way of thinking. If we can help you in any way. Please come forward as we stand and sing.